and welcome back to the Canadian Money Roadmap Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Neufeld. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about Registered Retirement Savings Plans, or RRSPs. I'm going to talk about a brief overview of how they work, a few myths about typical usage, and then explain at the end a few ways to make sure that you use an RSP to your advantage. Okay, so as a basic overview of how an RRSP works is that when you make a contribution to an RSP, which again is kind of like a bucket, if you go back to my TFSA episode, I talk about a TFSA being a bucket, an RSP is also a bucket. It's not an investment in and of itself. So when you make a contribution to your RSP bucket, you receive a tax deduction for your contributions. Depending on what your marginal tax rate is, you'll get a greater or smaller refund based on your current marginal tax rate. So you have a maximum contribution of 18% of earned income plus any accumulated room from previous years. There's a maximum per year, but you can kind of stick with the assumption of 18% of your income. Then once your money is invested, taxes owing on things like dividends, interest, capital gains, or whatever is deferred until you make a withdrawal from the plan. So an RSP is a tax-deductible contribution plan, and it's also a tax-deferred plan because you won't pay any taxes on any investment income inside of the plan until you make a withdrawal. So just because it has retirement in the name, you can actually make a withdrawal at any age, not just retirement, but whenever you make your withdrawal from the plan, 100% of it is taxable, regardless of whether it was your original contributions, dividends, interest, capital gains, anything like that. Every dollar you take out of the plan is fully taxable. So now that we have a basic understanding of how an RSP works, I'm going to talk about a few myths or misunderstandings about how RSPs are typically used and hopefully try to steer you in the right direction. So the number one myth that people assume is that an RSP purchase is made with pre-tax money, which means that you're investing a larger sum and then your RSP bucket by the time you retire will be worth a lot more, which it has to because when you withdraw from it, you owe taxes on it as well. So the idea that people often think is that, okay, well, I'm going to have a big RSP pot of money from which to withdraw my retirement income from. However, if you look at your paycheck, most people are actually paid with after-tax money, meaning their employer sends some tax to Canada Revenue Agency for you. So what you're really doing when you make an RSP purchase is you're investing after-tax money. You wait to file your return. You wait to get the refund. Then you have to have the discipline to actually invest the refund. Otherwise, the money that's in the plan remains just after-tax money. The problem is that no one invests the refund. I'm not going to say no one, but it is highly unlikely that the average person is investing their refund back into the RSP plan. Why? Because it's so easy to spend money that comes back from the government. It feels like a bonus. Um, However, if you are contributing to an RSP with after-tax money, that refund that you get actually needs to be reinvested or else you're creating a tax problem for your future self. So if you're investing after-tax money and then spending the refund, you're really only investing after-tax money and you would have been way better off in a tax-free savings account because once you're investing after-tax money, you want it to be in a place where it compounds the most tax-efficient ways possible. Okay, myth number two, purchasing investments in an RSP is a way to pay less tax. Okay, in theory, this is kind of correct. However, an RSP shouldn't be used as a tax minimization strategy it should be an investment maximization strategy. Let me clarify this a little bit more. 
So when you make your contributions to an RSP, it is tax deductible in the year you make the contribution. You can carry forward contributions if you don't want to claim them all, but that's another minutia that I won't get into right now. But if you get a tax deduction in the year you make your contribution, people think, great, an RSP is a great way to pay less tax. However, the biggest advantage to investing your money is compound growth over time. And the power of compound growth works against you if it's in a tax inefficient account. Okay, So if you're taking after-tax money, making a contribution, spending the refund, now you have after-tax money compounding against you in a taxable way. Yes, it's growing, but every dollar that it's growing by becomes 100% taxable when you take it out. So ideally, like I mentioned at the beginning, it should be an investment maximization strategy. So when you get your refund, make sure that you are investing that refund. So myth number three, if you're saving for retirement, everyone should be using an RSP. Just because it has retirement in the name, a lot of people think that the RSP is the way to go. And for people that have been investing for many, many years, an RSP was actually the only game in town. They've been around for much, much longer than the TFSA has. And so for a while, an RSP was the best option because it was really the only option for a tax-deferred investment plan. However, now that we have some other options to pick from, we have to make sure that we're choosing the right account for our current situation. One strategy that people often talk about when using an RSP is that they're going to contribute at a high tax bracket and withdraw in a low tax bracket when they're in retirement. In theory, this is a good idea too. However, more people think that they're in a higher tax bracket than they really are, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second here again. So if you are in a situation where you actually are in one of the higher tax brackets, and you have the discipline to reinvest the refund, that might be a good example of using an RSP for retirement. But if you're going to be in the same tax bracket when you contribute and you withdraw, you still have to have perfect discipline to reinvest the refund or else you would have been better off in a TFSA. I've gone off track here a little bit, but the, one of the last myths that I'm going to talk about is that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket when you retire. So I alluded to this one briefly already. However, many people think that they are currently in a much higher tax bracket than they really are. And then when they retire, just because they won't have employment income, they think they're going to be in a lower tax bracket. And many times this isn't actually the case. And in some scary scenarios, you might even be in a higher tax bracket in some of the early years of your retirement than when you made some of your contributions. This is the absolute worst case scenario where you give the government additional tax money based on the compounding of your investments and the time that you spent investing that money. The difference, say you contribute at a 25% tax rate and then you withdraw it in a 33, that is giving the government free money. It's possible, not super likely, but definitely possible. This is why you want to make sure that you're contributing in a tax rate where you have the greatest chance of having the difference of marginal tax rates work in your favor, meaning you actually need to be in a higher tax bracket when you make the contribution. So talking about tax brackets briefly here, many of my listeners here are in Ontario, and the middle tax bracket that we often refer to in Ontario is about 49000 to 80000 And you pay about 30% tax rate there. Here in Saskatchewan, it's between forty nine and 98000 We pay a third, so 33% of that income in that bracket. So stick with me for a second here. So say you're earning $90,000 in Saskatchewan. If you retire, you could have almost half of the taxable income in retirement and still be in the same 
marginal tax bracket of 33%. Your average tax rate will be quite lower. However, your marginal tax bracket will be higher. So there is a chance that you won't actually receive much in the form of tax savings. When you look at taxable income in retirement, a lot of people forget that government benefits like CPP, Canada Pension Plan, and Old Age Security, OAS, those are all taxable sources of income that are outside of your control. And so many people will actually have about half of their taxable income coming from places outside of their savings. So if they had saved diligently inside an RSP, and then when you start taking the money out, in addition to your government benefits, you might not have to actually withdraw that much money to stay in that middle tax bracket. So if you are thinking about making an RSP contribution, have a look at your actual tax bracket and not just assume you're in a high bracket because you got a raise recently or you make more than your friends. That's a big misconception that a lot of people have. So take a look at your province. Take a look at what your tax bracket is. The greatest chances of success with an RSP is if you make a contribution when you're in a marginal tax bracket that's higher than the one that you're more likely to end up in in retirement. So my rule of thumb is that if you are making more money and you're in the marginal tax bracket that's higher than the middle one in your province, that might be a good place to start. Then the second part of this myth is your tax bracket in retirement. In the first few years of retirement in particular, what do you think that most people do? What would you do? You're probably going to want to travel. If you have grandkids, you might want to spoil them a little bit. I see many, many times uh, big family trips, and it's often to expensive places like Hawaii or Disney World or whatever. Many other people will buy an RV or they go into retirement with a new vehicle, things like that. And so if most of your sources of income that you need for these large purchases or additional spending are all taxable, your taxable income, especially in these first few years of retirement, might actually be much higher than you anticipate. And I would go out on a limb and say that you're probably going to end up in at least that middle bracket. Now that I've talked about a variety of the ways that you can do things wrong with an RSP, here's a few ways that you can actually do things right with an RSP. So if you have a group plan at work, meaning your employer makes some contributions for you, you're actually able to make pre-tax contributions because your employer is the one that gives you the money and they're the ones that withhold tax for you at the source to send to CRA in advance for you. So if they make a contribution on your behalf, then you are actually investing pre-tax money and you don't need to have the discipline to reinvest your refund. Okay, so half of the hard work is done for you. So that's that's a good place to be. Secondly, if you have self-employment income, you're the one that made the income so you haven't actually had to send any to CRA in advance. Sometimes you might have quarterly payments or things like that. But Self-employment income is another way to make sure that you are investing pre-tax money and you don't have to have the discipline to reinvest a refund because most self-employed people don't have a refund because they actually have to pay tax at the end of the year. So being in a situation where you can truly invest pre-tax money without the discipline to reinvest the refund is a really good place to start with an RSP. Second one, I've alluded to this a few times already, but if you are in an income bracket that's higher than the middle bracket of your province, you have a higher chance of success by using an RSP. The idea is that you want to contribute in a high rate, withdraw from a low rate, and it's nearly impossible to do that if you're contributing from the upper end of the middle bracket. So here in Saskatchewan, again, say you're making 95000 the chances of you actually dropping a tax bracket in retirement are very, very low. So you want to be in the lower parts of your current tax bracket to have the greatest chance of success of actually being in a lower tax bracket when you retire. So 
To summarize a few of the myths here, number one, an RSP purchase is made with pre-tax money. No, it's usually made with after-tax money. You have to file for your tax return. You have to wait for your refund and have the discipline to reinvest your refund. So just be very, very careful when you're making your assessment between an RSP and a TFSA, especially when you're looking at analysis on the Globe and Mail, maybe the Wealthy Barber, maybe some blogs, maybe an Instagram post. You will not have a larger RSP pile of money unless you have reinvested your refund or you actually have the capacity to invest pre-tax money. The problem is most people don't have that option to invest pre-tax. So make sure you understand what types of contributions you have so that you can make a real assessment of whether an RSP or a TFSA is best for you. Second, Purchasing investments in an RSP is a way to pay less tax. Yes, in theory, but over time, if you want to keep your lifetime tax bill low, an RSP might not be the best way. So ideally, an RSP shouldn't be a tax minimization strategy. It should be an investment maximization strategy. Three, if you're saving for retirement, everyone should be using an RSP. No, not necessarily. There's a very specific situation where it will have an increased odds of success using an RSP but it is not for everyone. Number four, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket when you retire. Who knows? You don't necessarily know that. And if history is any guide, most people in Canada spend a lot of money in their first few years of retirement in particular. So you may not actually be in a lower tax bracket in retirement or as low as you might think. In conclusion, make sure you know what your current marginal tax bracket is, how much you have available to save, and then you can really do a good assessment of whether an RSP or a TFSA is the best option for you. If you struggle with discipline, especially when you receive a tax refund, a TFSA might be a good option. However, if you really struggle with discipline and you want to withdraw your TFSA money because it's available and there's no immediate penalty for it, maybe the RSP is a better option for you. Now, I've complained a lot here about how people often misuse an RSP but I'll maybe scale that back a little bit for a second here. And even if you're doing it wrong by investing at the wrong time in the wrong tax bracket and spending your refund, if the immediate tax benefit or tax savings in the year you make your RSP contribution is enough of a carrot to make the investment in the first place, and that's the only thing that will actually get you to invest some money for the long term, that's a better option. That's a better option than saving nothing at all. So I would much rather you do it wrong and save some money for an RSP, but I hope that most people listening today are those who want to make sure that they're making the best decision, not the bare minimum. Since an RSP is best used under a very specific scenario, I would recommend that you look for some advice or a second set of eyes so you make sure that you're making the decision that's actually best for you. Thanks for joining me today on the Canadian Money Roadmap Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd really appreciate if you left me a review on Apple Podcasts with your biggest takeaway. If you have questions or ideas for topics you'd like me to discuss on future episodes, please reach out via my contact info in the show notes. This podcast is intended to be educational in nature, and you should always consult your financial, tax, and legal advisors before making changes to your financial plan. Any rates of return discussed are historical or hypothetical and are to be used for educational purposes only. Evan Neufeld is a qualified associate financial planner and registered investment fund advisor. Mutual funds are provided through Sterling Mutuals, Inc.